0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, known as BARDA, isn't a household name, but it was at the center of federal efforts to get COVID vaccines developed and into the market. A team of researchers are now finalists in this year's Service to America medals program. They are Dr. Rodney Wallace, Director of Diagnostics and Devices, Dr. Kimberly Armstrong, Therapeutics Branch Chief, Dr. Robert Johnson, Director of Medical Countermeasures, and the Director of BARDA, Dr. Gary Disbrough, who spoke with Tom Temen. And
2: let's begin with BARDA itself. Are you part of HHS? Is it an independent agency? I thought I knew everything about HHS and the government, but I forget that one.
3: Yeah, Tom, not a lot of people, as you said, know BARDA as a household name. So we are located in the Department of Health and Human Services under the Office of the Secretary in the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response.
2: All right, getting down to the vaccine development, I guess it goes back to the earliest days of the pandemic. Tell us exactly what BARDA's role here is, because in the description of the award, it refers to the development of the vaccine on one hand and also the manufacturing and distribution of it on the other hand. So if I had
3: to use one word to explain BARDA, I would say that that word is vital. BARDA is a vital organization supporting public health preparedness and response. BARDA is always called upon to respond to public health emergencies and quickly develop vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics. And we've done this for H1N1, Zika, the Ebola outbreak in West Africa, and subsequent outbreaks in the DRC, and now the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is in addition to our normal mission of developing medical countermeasures for pandemic influenza and chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats. We're always watching for potential threats. We work with uh, public health agencies for surveillance and worldwide with our other colleagues. And as soon as we see something of concern, we start taking steps to address those concerns. And in this case, before the SARS-CoV-2 virus even had an official name, we realized this showed potentials of being serious. We collaborated with our colleagues at NIH, the CDC, and DOD to look at what technologies were available that might be useful if the virus spread and was as serious as it appeared to be. And so we reached out to our existing partners to see whether the technologies and products they were working on might be useful for a virus like this. We started reaching out to diagnostic developers even at the end of 2020. At the same time, we opened our Corona Watch portal to serve as a single point of entry for all product developers to learn more from anyone, anywhere. Who had products or technologies that might be useful in interacting with industry is just one of our strong points at BARDA.
2: Sure. And the idea that there is a large federal apparatus that responds here there's elements in DOD, they've got their own labs, even, and then the CDC, and then there's the FDA, and it goes on and on. So, how do you know who's in charge and who does what when these things arise?
3: So, we work collaboratively across HHS in the instance of the SARS CoV 2 response. The previous administration stood up uh, what was called Operation Warp Speed, and Operation Warp Speed brought in General Perna for the DoD uh, to support the logistics that would be necessary to support such a large response, and Mansaf Salawi, you know, is our scientific advisor. And that organization really led the collaboration across HHS and DOD. We relied heavily on DOD for contract support because we knew that this was going to be an incredible effort. We have an incredible team within the BARDA organization for contracting, but we knew that we were going to need additional support.
2: And when you knew that there was a vaccine probably on the way, then it was necessary to make sure that it was manufacturable and that the needles and the vials and all of these things people kind of take for granted had to also be in place. Otherwise, you couldn't get it into the arms of America.
3: Correct. And so very early in 2022, BARDA made initial investments in the procurement of needles and syringes and vials and also expanded domestic capacity for those. Some of these were contracts that we had in place from our H1N1 response in 2009. But BARDA also quickly made investments, again, you know, leveraging partnerships that we already had for vaccines and therapeutics, to pivot them quickly. They had been previously working on vaccines for Ebola or Zika, diagnostics as well for those threats. And we looked across our portfolio and quickly made those investments. And the investments that we made served as the portfolio of vaccine and therapeutic candidates that eventually became supported by Operation Warp Speed. And as you mentioned, manufacturing was key. And so the federal government assumed the financial burden of scaling up manufacturing while the clinical trials were still ongoing in the anticipation that if a positive result came from the phase three efficacy trials, that we would be able to roll out vaccine quickly. And that's exactly what happened in December of 2020. We were able to roll out two vaccines
2: We're speaking with Dr. Gary Dispro. He's director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. And you mentioned the work in Zika and Ebola and some other programs earlier. This is almost like a prize fight card in which the small matches take place before the big one comes along. So is it fair to say or accurate to say that there was actually some practice for this before the main coronavirus really hit, even though People thought the nation was unprepared, but it sounds like there was some pretty good experience of recent years.
3: BARDA is always called upon to respond to public health emergencies. And so we have experience developing what people refer to as platform technologies. So these are technologies that are being developed to address one pathogen, but can quickly be pivoted to address other pathogens as well. And don't forget that the NIH had also supported research into SARS-CoV-1 as well as MERS, to develop a stabilized spike protein. And that was started back in, you know, early 2000s. And so that foundational work was necessary and critical to make sure that we have a stabilized spike protein for SARS-CoV-2 that could be used as a vaccine antigen.
2: And when this started to develop early in 2020, what was it like inside, barda Almost, I'll use another analogy, did you feel like a surfer suddenly looking out at the sea and realizing... A really big one is coming.
3: We immediately moved to start work on countermeasures for SARS-CoV-2. You know, we also stood up our incident management team within the BART organization, which is similar to what we did for the 2014 Ebola crisis in West Africa. We quickly modified our broad agency announcement, which is our main funding mechanism solicitation, as well as what we have. It's called an easy broad agency announcement so that we could support development of diagnostics. And so we quickly, you know, again, looked across our portfolio and started making investments even before we received supplemental funding from Congress, which we're very grateful for. We used our annual appropriations to start companies such as Sanofi, Regeneron for Therapeutics, Merck and Moderna as well for companies that we had previously supported for other pathogens.
2: And you strike me as someone who is pretty calm and dispassionate about what is required in a case like this. Tell me, was that something that you needed to call upon when, frankly, all hell was breaking loose? So
3: I try to remain calm because, again, we just have an incredible organization. Some of the leading experts and minds in the fields of product development, science, Uh, manufacturing, regulatory, clinical, non-clinical, as well as our contracting shop. And, you know, I felt that it was important for them to all understand the severity of, of what was going on, but to also stay focused on the mission, which is really to develop these medical countermeasures as quickly as possible while still, you know, making sure that we're supporting all of the FDA regulatory requirements so that the American people would have confidence that these are safe and effective products that are being developed.
2: And the government loves the word playbook for this or that. That's kind of come into the vernacular in the last few years. Is something being done now to capture all of the learnings from the last couple of years so that the playbook can be passed on for the next time, if there is a next time?
3: Yes. Well, let's hope there is not a next time. But yes, the federal government has multiple efforts, you know, what we call lessons learned documents that are being established. It's hard to do it when we're still, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. But we are looking at lessons learned and we do that for every large event, as we did for H1N1, as well as Ebola There was a tabletop exercise called Crimson Contagion, which was run a couple of years ago, which is a major pandemic in the United States. And, um, you know, so that everybody from the federal government would be able to coordinate and, and share information. And, you know, those were lessons learned uh, that we applied for this response.
1: Dr. Gary Disbro is director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Agency, and along with Rodney Wallace and doctors Robert Johnson and Kimberly Armstrong, he's a finalist in this year's Service to America medals program. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at com slash federaldrive.
4: Hello, I'm wife CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration, and over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations. For leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here.
4: Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader, and what about them inspired you? you
0: no, know, I often think about this because you know sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has you know been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser.
4: Tell us a little bit more about your background from the beginning and, and how did that lead you to where you are today?
0: Well. stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do.
4: Angie, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you.
4: This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time.
0: All I want for Christmas is a DWI. Yeah, said no one ever. Impaired driving kills the holiday spirit. Drive sober, drive smart.
2: Extra enforcement now on Minnesota roads. A message from the Minnesota Department of Public Safety.
3: Grab a 30 day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.